0: Welcome to the Xennial Dome. My name is Gareth Gwynn. And I'm Essend Sears, and this is
1: the podcast for those born between nineteen seventy-seven and nineteen eighty-five, or those who chose safety over aerodynamics by adopting the tough
0: top. Oh, I did not have a tough top. I didn't
1: either. Refused I refuse to wear one.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were it was that was the one that the school would issue you with, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the it was the NHS glasses of the head gear. Line. Yeah,
1: it was basically just a massive, big bowl made out of polystyrene, and then covered in really horrible—like it was like a kind of like 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 cray textured, like tough Top branded material. Um And I remember, I just I was very aware, even at the age of nine, that I would much rather have an aerodynamic. one. And I made my mum take me to the, <laughs> the cycling shop, but my my sister had one. My she's a Daniel, and she had one
0: she had yeah. the tough time was that a, a choice did she decide she wanted i mean to... i think
1: she could probably ha- she could have argued for one because i'd bought a professional one <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> she she
1: was she was less um less hard work than me she was
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I i just remember it was the one that the school tried to sell you like it was clearly the one the school got a kickback on the yeah tough top helmet That's- Yeah. Whereas everyone in class was like, no, we're going to Halfords and getting one that we can put like a Bart Simpson sticker on or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else I remember from my cycling proficiency. I just remember a very angry man shouting at us in a yard for eight (laughs) weeks. (laughs) This week's episode is with a fantastic stand-up comedian and writer, She's written for things like The Last Leg, and she's written mm-hmm. for TV award shows and all sorts of things. And she's also been on Question Time. It's really good fun. Today we're welcome mm-hmm. to the Xenial Dome, Gronya Maguire. Content warning at the start, um, just a bit of a heads up. Uh, there's a bit of chat in this one about the IRA and about the Troubles. So if that is something that wouldn't be your cup of tea, then you might want to give this episode a miss, or as we get onto the subject skip ahead
1: but it, it was inevitable that it was going to come up at some point wasn't it
0: and with our first uh, guest who grew up on the republic of island <laughs> yeah uh, there's loads of stuff covered in this episode uh, there's loads of things that are mentioned that i have not thought about in years please welcome stand-up comedy and 1980s Gráinne maguire
2: good because like All primary school children. I hate nobody as much as I hate the kids directly a year below me. Lovely. So I hold both of you in complete contempt. (laughs) That's
0: so true. Isn't it (laughs) that... The, the the people here above you are weirdly terrifying. The people below, you just go. Yeah. I want nothing to do with you.
1: Yeah. yeah, Gareth and I will just have our heads You're down like, for the rest
0: of this. Scumbags. <laughs> well, I, it's yeah. odd. I, I I'm sure I've mentioned this on podcast before. I still don't think I'm old enough to watch Grange Hill. Like yeah. I I feel like that has always remained something for older kids that I will just never reach <laughs> as time goes on.
1: Okay, so so Grania and I will talk about Grange Hill.
0: And I'll have And no, then, yeah,
1: you, you and I, Gareth, will just sit together at yeah, time
0: that's, <laughs> <laughs> um so before you we invited you on this podcast or before you heard of our podcast, did you know the term Xenial? Are you familiar with this term?
2: What well, kind of I've always felt quite bitter in that I've always felt like Gen X they've got a very strong brand, and then you know millennials, oh my God, they never shut up, <laughs> and I was always on sort of the hinterland. <laughs> I was always in sort of this liminal space as a generation. So, and even now I'm embarrassed that we're clinging on to Xeniel. It just seems really like, just let it go. You don't fit in. (laughs) But I'm glad that you guys are giving it a try. (laughs) Look, it's giving us something to do, okay? (laughs)
0: Like that thing you said about... Gen X having a good brand, they really do. You're, you've, mm. yeah. So, do you think there's something in these categories, like that the generations do like have traits, as it were, or do you think it's all a big pile on? But
2: I just, I always get really confused because I'm always like, when does one
1: generation begin and end? According to the internet, so I'm at the old end of millennials, so yeah. I'm the absolute oldest you can get, and you were on the absolute youngest end of Gen X. Mm. It feels very
2: arbitrary. I think because I consider myself like quite an immature person. So I think it should be more skill-based than maybe year-based. Maybe that would be a fairer, <laughs> a fairer judgment of these things.
0: Is that is that you saying that you think you're more millennial or is that you're just saying like, I want out of this system?
2: I think it's more like whenever I can't do anything... With my husband, I always say, well, you wanted to go out with a millennial. And I just pretend I'm a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) So what is he then? Is he Gen X? Yeah, he's the same as me. We're both 1980. So we're like, we're, yeah, we're these, this, we are the, you know, the weird fugue state between two identities,
0: yeah, it it is that. The cusp. It really is that. That's what this is and that's what this podcast is genuinely all about going like, well, I hate both the people older than me and younger than me. Here we are.
2: It's like cuz like I think when I think of Gen X, I think of like oh, I think of Janine Garofalo and I think of like um my sister's friends and it seems like it was cool and everybody was like was like, "Oh, I went to see Nirvana rather than I pretended." that I liked Nirvana <laughs> and it just seems much, they could, they've they earned it. They're like, oh man, I miss records rather than, like, I feel like our generation is cassettes. It's yes. like cassettes, you know? Mm. Nobody yeah. gets, I know they're trying to bring totally. back nostalgia about cassettes, but it's not going to happen. I think like Gen X, it's records. Millennials, I mean- <laughs> it's iPhones and we are, Cassette tapes. Well, I'm here to tell you,
1: C- Coronation Street. At the moment, um, a couple of weeks ago, they ran a whole storyline based on a cassette tape.
0: Hello, this sounds interesting. It, it's, it's
1: coming back. It's coming back. I,
0: I mean, on on this desk that I'm sitting at here, I have a cassette player. Yeah, I think we might be Gareth. the ones. Who, I know it's it's pretty tragic. It's not plugged in, but it could be, and that's what counts. <laughs>
1: So, considering then that you're kind of on this cusp, um, let's see how much of a zeniel you actually are. We're going to ask you some questions. Okay. Um, And the first one is, can you remember the first person you knew with a mobile phone?
2: Oh, my God. Oh, I think it was... Mobile phones came out when I started university. So, it was '98 was the first time people started mm. having mobile phones. And what I just think is so funny is it became this real thing about whether you're going to get a mobile phone or not. And there was like loads of people, their whole identity was, mm. "I'm oh, I, yeah. I'm not getting a mobile phone. Oh God, these these mobile telephones... <laughs> And I just always think, oh, I wonder where they are now. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> are they still holding
1: out? <laughs> well, I, I was a little bit like that because I went to uni in 99 and it was a bit like, I, I'm not bothered about getting one, but it was my parents who said, maybe just get one so you can call us, you know, ring home from uni. And it is kind of how it happened. But yeah, I was very much like, I was nonplussed about
2: it. Yeah. I think in my head it was just sure from Clueless having a mobile phone was like the <laughs> most like glamorous. Oh my God, in America, if you're a teenager, you have a mobile phone. And that was just yeah. like the height of glamour. Um, what was the first website you remember visiting? Okay, I can tell you. All right. <laughs> I remember so well they opened up an internet cafe. I think it was in Navin. It must have been. Or do you know, you know, wasn't, wasn't that... It was either an in check cafe or they had like a display in the shopping centre where basically it was like the local farmers could go and touch a, a computer and realise it was some witchcraft. That's what it basically was. And I remember going up to the sitting down, and the first thing I Googled was Michael Palin Fan Club.
0: Oh.
2: <laughs> That's incredible
0: and is there one did you join
2: i couldn't find out all i remember is like a, a page really slowly downloading monty python pictures it's like it took like half an hour for one picture and i remember, I remember thinking this is so shit like this is not <laughs> so shit I'd I'd also forgotten, he was big in the 90s as well. He had his travel programme, didn't he? yeah. Michael Palin in the 90s, please. He was like my Harrison Ford. Kill me now. Oh, my God. His little, his little fringe. Oh.
0: Of the things that people could have said that they have were I s I don't want to say yeah. Googling. They weren't Googling, they were ask Jeevesing or something Netscaping. like that. Escaping. I, I Netscaping, feel like that yeah. stood the test of time better than most. But I, I think you've done well there with Michael Palin. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that stands up. That's okay. <laughs> I remember there being an internet cafe in Swansea, which I think was one of the first times I used the internet. I would certainly remember going to it, getting there, and the internet cafe being absolutely rammed, and then me realising it was the day that the Bill Clinton star report had come out <laughs> with oh. the full details. <laughs> oh my God. And so there were like queues of people in Swansea who want to find out what Bill Clinton's been up to, which I think oh. the most 90s thing you could oh possibly do, God. go down the internet cafe, read about Bill Clinton. Amazing. But I remember there's, like, a really rural cafe in mid-Wales that I remember did internet cafeing when I was a kid because I remember me and my cousin going. And with hindsight, him charging us, like, £15 an hour for my cousin to look up Toy Story. Like, it was... <laughs> but I, I drove past that house where it was the other day and I was like, I might just knock on the door and see if they're still doing it because they've taken the sign down, but I bet they'd still accept 15 quid for me to search for Toy Story 4.
1: Oh, wow. I think we we assume by now that everyone has access to these things, but not everyone will have a laptop or a mobile phone or will have access to Wi-Fi, but you're still expected to use these things when it comes to services and stuff. So there must, apart from the library, I guess, there must be some.
0: you got to join the Michael Palin make- fan club somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and this was actually a question we were going to ask later, but this is the perfect thing is, were you a member of any fan clubs when you were a kid?
2: Oh god. I think I I I think I was a member of the Kylie Minogue fan club. <gasps> so was I. <laughs> oh my god. I'm
1: so happy. spirits.
2: <laughs> but I remember I joined it. I was so excited because I was obsessed with Kylie Minogue. I like it was like When I look back, it was like truly disturbing. Like I didn't, oh my God, I could go into that. But I was was obsessed with Kylie Minogue. And then for my birthday, I got got made a member of the Kylie Minogue fan club. And I remember I got my first like newsletter and it was all the different things that you could buy. And I remember my dad going, oh, that's just a big con. That's all that is. It's a big con for you to spend money. And I was so upset and offended that. (laughs) Kylie Minogue would ever try and con me out of money. I was so angry on her behalf. Yeah, that, that was all Pete
1: Waterman. That was all his <laughs> <it's> doing. <laughs> Oh God, yeah, because I, I remember you used to get like a card. It was like a plastic card and it had like gold writing on it and it had her signature on something and I remember spending ages practising her signature so that <laughs> I could pretend that I had her signature. Oh God, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I reacted to the fact that we were both in the fan club as if we were the only two in that <laughs> fan club. <laughs> Oh, she was great. She still is.
0: Were there any other? F- I, it, it's a good one. Were you a member of any others? Because I, I feel like Kylie Minogue and Michael Palin is a really unusual <laughs> pair. <pet. laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they both, you know, unproblematic. You know, they both aged really well.
0: Yeah, they stood yeah. the test of time.
2: Um, I, th- I think it was just Kylie. Like I was up, like okay, when I say I was obsessed with Kylie Minogue. Okay, just a few bullet points. If you're obsessed with Kylie Minogue, that meant that you hated Jason Donovan because his character Scott kissed Plain Jane when he was going out with Charlene. So in my head, I was like, I, I hate, I hate Scott. I hate Scott. I hate Jason Donovan. I hated the actress who played Plain Jane. I didn't understand. I, 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 I yeah. I think I found like fact and fiction a bit blurry from an early age. <laughs> It was so unhealthy. And I even went through a stage where I was kind of convinced myself that maybe Kylie Minogue could be my real (laughs) ma'am. Because I thought, what if she had me and then she couldn't keep me because she, you know, had to work on Neighbours. So I was sent to Ireland.
1: Oh, well, because we had the, in Wales, we had the added extra bit of that her grandmother was Welsh and spoke Welsh. And so for mm. me, now, if I was ever asked to go on, who do you think you are? I don't care about royalty. I just want to know, am I related to Kylie? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Wouldn't that oh, be the best? wow.
2: I just, it, it was obviously a later stage than Kylie. But when I was like about 15, 16, I was obsessed with the Manic Street Preachers. Right. <laughs> Like obsessed and to an extent that me and my friends used to be like, oh my God, when we leave school, we're going to go on holiday to Wales. (laughs) That was the coolest place in the whole world. We're like, we're going to go to Wales. And like we used to like, I think cut out pictures of the Welsh flag, cut out pictures of Wales. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny because
1: I basically lived the complete opposite life. I was obsessed with Ireland like absolutely like I nearly I even I started filling out my ICAS form for my degree I was going to go to Dublin to study Celtic studies I was absolutely obsessed oh yeah. this is the cultural
0: exchange that should have happened it
1: is. <laughs> why oh the accent like it felt really cool at the time to be irish when we were growing up i think there was a lot happening comedy wise mm-hmm. i think even if you weren't into like the boy bands like boy zone and westlife and stuff you were very aware of kind of mm-hmm. this irish invasion um oh i was just yeah i wanted to marry an irishman and i wanted to have little mm-hmm. irish kids <laughs> <laughs> oh <I don't...
0: laughs>
2: It's like a, it wasn't just the Manning Street preachers. We, uh, so I went to an all-girls school, and when you go to an all-girls school, all you have is drama. That's all you have. Like, oh, who, who's if there is this one girl and she always was like. Breaking up with somebody and she, like, everybody wants to be friends with her because there's always so much drama about this girl. So it'd be like, oh, my God, she was the coolest person because we're all so bored. So we used to, (laughs) we used to, there's this, Jean-Paul Sartre, is it Nausea? I can't remember. Anyway, there was this one book, Jean-Paul Sartre, none of us had read it, but we all just carried it around with us all the time. (laughs) We just always have to have it on us. (laughs) And then every now and then we go, oh, God, sorry. It's just like, I'm just really like, I can't stop thinking about Jean-Paul Sartre today. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm guessing to this day, you still haven't read it. I have not read it. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? is nausea i think it is and i think the manic sort of mentioned it in one of their albums then we were like oh god yes yeah, it's like it's, i'm so overwhelmed it's just like so much <laughs> nobody gets it
0: <laughs> it sounds like the sort of thing they'd mention to be honest that sounds very yeah. on the <laughs> yeah i'd buy that i'd buy that <laughs> um what's the first big news story you remember this is a good way to track someone's oh uh, age and engagement with the world.
2: How do you mean? What do you mean by the first news like, story?
0: Like is there something where you where you think, "Oh yeah, I remember that." I don't know what the first news story I remember is, but from a very very young age, I could point at the telly and identify Neil Kinnock. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right, so this is like this is very Irish in that so growing up, I came from a really nationalist background, right? And I remember when I was little being like, when I grew up, I'm gonna join the IRA and kill the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my that was like we used to play the IRA, like you would play you know, Cowboys and Indians. Wow. But then I remember in primary school, I remember I was like in baby infants and maybe uh, high infants. And uh, I remember it. I remember the teacher saying in offhand way, you know, like baddies, like bad people, you know, like the IRA. And I remember being like, huh? What? I thought they were the good guys. I was so confused.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, what was your teacher's, like, line on this? Because, you yeah. know, teachers are looking at what kids are playing in the playground, surely, and going like, yeah, this is okay or not okay. <laughs> I mean...
2: But then, weirdly, so, on the news, because my, both my granddads died before I was born, so... <laughs> I used to watch the news and my favourite person in the whole world was Ian Paisley. Because I thought he was like such a cute granddad. And in my head, I decided he's my granddad, he's my granddad. And I remember saying to my older sister, oh, it's Ian Paisley, I love him, he's my granddad. And I remember her taking such joy in turning around to be looking me in the face and go, oh my God, he'd hate you. If he met you, he'd want to kill you. Uh,
0: If it's any consolation, I thought that Moira Stewart was my gran so similarly yeah i can see it (laughs) convinced absolutely convinced yeah definitely (laughs) so you are our first irish guest who grew up in the republic of ireland and i was wondering is there anything from your youth that when you speak to people in the uk about uh, who are our age they just don't understand is there anything where you're like, oh, yeah, that was very much a Irish Zenial phenomenon? Uh, the, uh,
2: the Troubles in Northern Ireland? Sure. Yeah, sure. can... <laughs> <laughs> Just both your black faces. Lovely pop culture um, reference there. <laughs> no, what is it? Oh, God, there's so many things. So many things. River dance, uh, us winning the Eurovision for the all of the 90s. Oh, that That
0: travelled. That. Well, this is the thing, like Riverdance, Eurovision, all this stuff. It did feel like Ireland was very cool. Oh, while my God. We yeah,
2: winning Definitely. Eurovision. Watch out, baby. <laughs> 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 well, just like I, I had a friend who didn't realise that Zig and Zag were Irish kids presenters before they were on The Big Breakfast. And. Yeah, that was, they were huge. They, they. it was so, Zig and Zag in Ireland in the 90s were like ante-deck. <laughs> like they were so big. And then when they moved to Big Breakfast, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, Wayne Rooney playing for, <laughs> the opposite football team you should <laughs> I don't know. But it was massive. It was so big.
0: We're were you all wishing them the best? Or were you like, this is it? They've gone.
2: No! We're like, you took the Queen shilling and you're betraying your people. <laughs> and now you're on big breakfast. <laughs> but Ireland in the 90s was, it was, I think it was the first time that we felt cool. And it was like the cores, and we had, you know, you two kind of were as annoying as they are now. And <laughs> we did feel like optimistic and it felt like like the peace process seemed to be sort of shifting and yeah it was a very yeah it was a in my memory like quite a a golden era
0: for teenagers so you do a podcast called the way they were all about relationships between famous people now what for you were the glory years of celebrity gossip because I feel like we've lived through a few eras of celebrity gossip and as you've had to sit and research a lot of it, are you like, oh, brilliant, it's the 90s? Or is it like, oh, no, not another 90s. The noughties is what it's all about.
2: It's weird. From a research point of view, if it is a 90s and early noughties couple, it's really weird because before we really figured out a way of putting sort of journalism for want of a better word online so even though you've got memories of it when you actually try and find the newspaper articles there's no digital footprint so you end up it's a bit like trying to describe a dream you had <laughs> like when we were doing the Amanda Holden and Neil okay. Morrissey scandal I was like no you don't understand it went they on did. for ages <laughs> and everybody was talking about it. But you try and find any evidence of it online, it cannot be found.
0: Oh, that's quite weird. Mm. So,
2: <laughs> It's just people saying, it's people talking yeah. that it happened, but the actual minutia of she left Les, she lived with, him for, uh, with Neil Morrissey for a little bit, then she went back together with Les, then this is, you cannot find it, but you're like, I know <laughs> I but know I kind it like has. I element to it,
1: though. Kind of the pre-social media, pre-internet age, where there was still a bit of mystique about mm. these people, and because we were talking about fan clubs earlier, you know, yeah. that that was the closest you would get to engaging with a celebrity was if you sent a letter to the fan club. Whereas now you can yeah. you can direct tweet people. I mean, we can direct tweet Kylie if we want to. <laughs> I'm saving it for, for something very special.
2: <laughs>
1: but it's, you know, so so when it came to scandals and stuff like that and celebrity gossip, it, it was kind of the same that, you know, you you'd have to rely on other people giving you that news. It wasn't down to just, you know, gossip online and stuff like that stories had to be published and sometimes they'd be in a magazine and that magazine would have like a lead time of a month <laughs> so the news would be getting to you quite late as well and i quite mm. like the idea that you couldn't quite pinpoint
2: every detail it's a bit like you know in the americas in the early stages when they kind of weren't sure who was on the throne They're like George, II <laughs> George yes. III. that's we were with like our liz liz hurley and hugh grant <laughs> Where are they in their relationship? We wouldn't know for years. <laughs> have to wait. Do
0: you think it's like has it made you think about like how being a celebrity has changed in that time? Because you must you must have like spotted differences in how people behave in a pre-internet, post-internet, pre-social media, post-social media. World. It
2: really is because there's no. God, I'm going to sound like geriatric here, but there's very little glamour like there's no mystery like like if you were to go like let's go to Hollywood tonight you'd be like cool let's go and see where all the Instagrammers live like it's (laughs) not like there's no there's nothing wrong with having a bit of mystery and glamour and what was more interesting I think was celebrities in sort of the 90s weren't supposed to be relatable mm. they were supposed to be kind of ridiculous and you know over the top and a diva and that was acknowledged as like part of the package and i feel like nowadays i really hate you know like mega markle does all these podcasts where it's like you know mariah carey isn't a diva <laughs> she's just a really hard-working woman you're like oh god <laughs> hard hardworking women i don't want <laughs> I don't want Mariah Carey to actually be quite nice when you want to, when you get to know her. You want people to be ridiculous, and I think we don't have ridiculous mm. people when it comes to celebrities anymore. It's all like, oh, I'm actually, I just collect mm. milk like you. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. I and and like. the yeah. thing
1: is that social it's media depressing. has become a bit too much of a leveler as well, because again, like back in the day these new stories of our celebrities and the photographs you would see about them would have to be taken by someone else and then published in a magazine. Whereas now, we're all using the same platform as them. So there's nothing special about that. We can publish the same kind of photographs that Kim Kardashian is, is posting online. There's, there's nothing exclusive about that yeah. anymore either.
2: And I think as well with the way sort of journalism has gone, they used to be able to, these really fascinating long interviews where they would like, you know, interview Frank Sinatra for like a week and then come out with something really interesting, like he's a complex, fascinating person. But now it's just like, why Justin Bieber is actually really great and it's just so
0: (laughs) boring. Do you remember where you were when Diana died?
2: Oh my God. So we had been out the night before at a nightclub. So I would have been, so I was 17. So, you know... Hey, what can I say? I was a really cool teenager. <laughs> and I remember at like my friend Laura's house and she had an alarm clock radio. And I she was in her bed and I was sleeping on the floor on a mattress. And at like nine o'clock, her alarm went off, but it must have been connected to the radio. So it was like something out of a film because literally I was like lying in bed and then the radio turns itself on and says, Princess Diana has died. And it was the maddest God. thing. And then I just was, I remember it like, what? And then I woke Laura up and I went, Princess Diana's dead. And she was like, huh? What? And uh, that's how I found out.
0: Um, what was the vibe? It, like, as in, in Ireland, were we following the saga of Princess Diana closely? Was everyone as keenly uh, invested as people in Britain were?
2: Well, I think we... I mean, I don't know. From my memory of it, it felt like people really liked Diana. Well, she was just like a celebrity, but also because Mm. she seemed like a real troublemaker and she seemed like she really hated the British royal family. So...
1: (laughs) We're like we love how those those two really kind of go into your wheelhouse. Like you (laughs) love the drama and
2: you hate the queen. (laughs) So I think there was a real affection towards her because she seemed like a little shit. So I think Irish people were like, "Yeah, I like her. (laughs) She's got real little shit energy." (laughs) What I find so interesting, and I feel so privileged. To be from the generation that remembers it, is that I remember after the divorce from Charles how Diana really was turning into this real, like laughing stock. Like people were really mean about her. And people were really like, oh my god, she's such a loser. She does like it the it, it was really turning against her. And I remember we had got this, because we used to get the Sunday Times papers. And I remember the day she died, so she died, it was a Sunday morning, you know, going home and the, the Sunday Times magazine was there and there was an article about how Mickey Mickey Mouse t-shirts were really fashionable and everybody should wear Mickey Mouse t-shirts, but uh-oh, Princess Diana has been spotted wearing one so they're probably gone out of fashion now because she's shit. I remember it so well because I remember being like, oh, wow. And it was like this real watershed (laughs) moment where everybody collectively forgot that people had been Mm. taking the piss out of her for about like the past two years. That's really interesting.
0: I I remember the the same thing. I remember the day she died walking past the newspapers, which hadn't reacted to the news yet because they'd all been printed overnight. Mm. And it was still... Like all the red tops from what I remember were still all very long lens photos of her and Dodie on yachts and things like that. And it was all a little bit like, well, this has aged badly (laughs) in the space of three hours. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And it did feel like everyone like turned on a sixpence of like, oh, we've really got this wrong, (laughs) haven't we? um yeah it was weird i and, and then it, it's almost like then the press tried to gaslight the nation going like we always loved her it was very weird it was weird
2: yeah they were so mean it was so fascinating it was really like oh this feels like yeah it felt so like it was like a glitch in the matrix that i caught before they yeah claimed
0: they always
2: had really loved her
0: um, do you ever feel sorry for those caught in the eye of the, like, 90s celeb storm?
2: I mean, obviously, like, the way women were treated was just unbelievably awful. Like, it's so awful. Like, Like, Monica Lewinsky and Anna Nicole Smith... People who just were so dehumanized and turn into a joke for the actions of other people—it's so bleak. Not just the nineties; even if you look back at the noughties, and like it was like everybody was trying to out mean each other. Mm. And I just, I just think it's fascinating. Why were we so mean in the noughties? Everybody was. It,
0: it always felt like there, there was like a well. If you've had the audacity to become famous, yeah. here we go. And some of these people are like, I don't think they wanted to be famous. Like some of those, like Monica Lewinsky, I don't think wanted to be famous at no. all. No. It, it felt like they were thrown to the wolves. Oh then. my
2: god! Like poor Lindsay Lohan. Like God. But it was like all. I remember the nineties. It was all and like early nineties. It was all about you. You like what you aspired to do was like be like a, a zero zero. So mm. just like really really skinny, you know, just all collarbones <laughs> and just like for men to think you're really cool. Mm. For like, yeah, I get it. Like, I love like Jackass is hilarious. <laughs> I women are boring. <laughs> that is like the the most cool you could be. We were kind of expected to still be
1: attractive and girly and feminine, but in a laddie way. We we had to try and be one of the lads at the same time. It was it was exhausting.
2: It really yeah. was. and we thought we thought we thought feminism was solved. Jerry Halliwell had told us. <laughs> Feminism is solved. <laughs> so we took our eye off the ball.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> Where is she now? Actually, she's. I think she's doing very well
2: for herself. <laughs> she's, she, she's a Tory now. She she's is. a Tory who only wears white clothes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's a very good point moment in this episode then to ask you about you know, this phenomenon, especially in the 90s, where kind of celebrity culture and politics combined, we feel like the first generation where celebrities were kind of used by politicians to kind of woo us
2: into believing in something. (laughs) Do do you remember a sense of that at all? You may have remembered earlier on in the podcast that I established I was from quite a nationalist family. (laughs) So my way of really rebelling... When I was a teenager was to have the biggest rows like, oh, my God, with my mom and dad about how were awful. Jerry Adams was a terrorist. A real example of a statesman was Tony Blair. <laughs> Loved Tony Blair. I used to have a picture of him up in my locker. Was obsessed. <laughs> obsessed with the man. Was like, oh my God, I'm going to move to London and like be a member of the Labour Party. That's all I wanted to do, basically. I loved him so much. So, uh, yeah, it worked. Whatever they did, him shaking hands at Noel Gallagher did a number on me. <laughs> so in Ireland, politics in Ireland in the 90s, it was like, oh God, It was so boring and depressing at the same time. So you're either turning on the news and being like a bomb went off in Fermanagh last night. uh, No warning. And then there was like tribunals. There's all these tribunals because Irish politics at the time was extremely corrupt. So it was like the beef tribunal who was putting angel dust into beef. Um, Tribunals, tribunals, tribunals. So it was real corruption, really Boring, oh, Bertie Hearn met today with job major, blah, blah, blah. And then Tony Blair would pop up with his little guitar and be like, hey, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, now this is the politics I can get behind. I so Bertie Heard
0: wasn't inviting Boyzone round for like... <laughs> Go, come and have a chat.
2: Rowan and Keating was not oh. was not consulted at any stage about like EC negotiations. How did that
1: influence kind of come over to Ireland though, and, and and to your household and and you know into your um into your conscience? Because were were you following UK politics closely at the time? It was just because it was
2: Britpop. Mm. It was just Britpop. So he got you. He got you. One hundred percent. It was like, oh, I'm going to go to Camden, hang out at the old mixer with the Manic Street preachers, and then vote for Tony Blair. For
0: um, <laughs> I was working on something last year, and I uh, managed to request all the news from the day that Chumbawamba threw a bucket of water over John Prescott and all the breakfast shows so I could watch them all and see, like, the reaction. And people were, like... You could tell the newsreaders were like, oh, you're going to love this. Like, as they're reading the news, I believe it was Jerry Halliwell who, like, ran to Prescott oh aid with, God. like, serviettes and stuff like that. <laughs> which is, like, exactly what I want to hear. Like, and I, th- I think it... Because I, I think it was the year that like Spice Girls and All Saints were both there, so that was like the mm. big battle, and there was always Oasis versus someone. Um, but yeah, and then Prescott Water. Oh, it 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 did seem there was a real like gleeful energy <laughs> to all the presenters yeah, the next and- day.
1: And there was something about the newspapers as well the next day where they kind of were like, they were saying to Prescott like, well, you know, if you're going to court these people, mm. if these are the people you want to, you know, engage with to try and get new voters, you have to take this. You know what I, mean? <sighs> I The Brit Awards especially felt like big events. I used to go around to my friend's house every year to watch the Brit Awards. it It was massive. And like you said, there was an element of jeopardy mm. to it. You just didn't know what was going to happen. Like the Michael Jackson and um, Jarvis yeah. Cocker incident where he got on stage and, and mooned the cameras. Like, it was huge. And that's what you wanted to see. You didn't care about what Michael Jackson was singing. You wanted to know what someone was going to do to disrupt <laughs> that performance.
2: So the morning <laughs> after that, I put up a petition on my school news- notice board to <laughs> free Jarvis Cocker. I don't know why that was <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> And one of the the nuns took it down. (laughs) So stupid.
0: (laughs) So stupid. So we're building a dome with everything in it is meant to represent people born between the ages of 1977 and 1985. What item would you like to put in the Xennial Dome?
2: For all the girls, I think they should have a copy of... Just 17. <laughs>
1: yes, please. I want to know what diet I should be on. I want to know what lip gloss I should be wearing.
2: How to wear it. To, yes. What, how, how to use a tampon. <laughs> I'm lost with how it. How to it. get like, oh my God, I was upset. Because in my head, I thought being a teenager in England was the most glamorous thing <laughs> in the whole world. Just from reading Just 17. I was like, oh my good God, they have youth clubs. <laughs> They don't have to wear a uniform to school. They all get perms. <laughs> I thought they, it was just, when I was about, like, not quite a teenager. I was about 11 or 12. I, just 17, was my, I was obsessed with it. I remember so well reading an article and it said, do you fancy a night in? Well, why don't you just get some pizzas, invite the girls round, watch a video, and make some homemade face masks. And I remember thinking, that sounds like the most glamorous night of my life. <laughs> and that's what English teenagers do on a night <laughs> off. <laughs> oh my It was gosh. a real stepping stone to womanhood, though. Because I feel like we,
1: we were growing up with boomer parents, who were still quite reserved about talking about certain things. I don't know if yours were the same, but m- mine certainly were. And you know, so you didn't have that kind of friend relationship <laughs> with your parents that maybe mm-hmm. I now have with my kids and our generation do with with our kids. Um, so you you learnt a lot <laughs> from just seventeen about how to be around boys and like you said about tampons and stuff like that and all the things that you 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 shouldn't you couldn't really talk about with your parents but maybe should have been able yeah. to. <laughs> because obviously then there would yeah. be other pro- more problematic articles in that magazine, especially around weight loss and stuff like this and very skewed body image um, ideals and stuff like that. So you were kind of depending on it for certain things and then kind of being dragged mm. into other ways of thinking as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think, what
2: did I know? I'm trying to think, did I remember diet advice? What did I, I just remember mainly it was like, if you want to make your lips look bigger, dark <laughs> lip liner and then a paler colour. That is the main thing that me. Like mm. That is like the main thing that I got from Just17.
0: Right. Let Let me ask some very basic questions about Just17. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Is this thing weekly or monthly?
2: <laughs> I think it was fortnightly. And I remember my mum would never let me buy it. I never had it in the house. She would never buy it because she'd say magazines are a waste of money. So I'd only get it off my cousin, Neve and her mum bought her Just 17. So I'd go around to her house and read all her Just 17s.
0: (laughs) This was actually going to be my next question, which was, because it's got things in it which both of you have said your parents wouldn't have talked to you about, was there an element that it was slightly, like, contraband?
2: Playboy. It was like Playboy. Yeah. It was plain and boy, as well but, because but, it was yeah. English as well, it was like Mm-mm. <laughs> these loose English girls. <laughs> My mum be like, "They may get up to that nonsense in the UK, but we won't be having any of that here." Does it still
0: happen? Just seventeen, or has the internet really like outstripped that?
1: It was kind of eclipsed by Sugar Magazine. Um, so there were two uh, new gl- really glossy magazines so Just 17 I remember had a really matte paper <laughs> cover to it whereas Sugar and Bliss magazine came on the scene in the later on in the 90s and they were really glossy and they had spells in them you could do spells to like if, 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 if you fancied a boy in school and stuff they'd have like love spells and things you could do it was yeah it was a real gear change
2: <laughs> <laughs> Or I remember, do you remember More? Yes, so More oh, magazine Moore was yes. very raunchy. Yes. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah, More was the one I had to hide under my uh, under my mattress. <laughs> oh
2: my.
0: I remember More magazine because <laughs> I remember the girls bringing More magazine into the school. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that sounds like a perfectly acceptable thing for the Zenial Dome. Just seventeen can go in. And then what we'll do is inside it, we'll put an edition of More Magazine. <laughs> so then... oh, yes,
2: love
0: it. Was there anything else that you felt like? Oh, this is like this is exclusively mine. Be like a TV program or a a record or a film or something
2: then? I was obsessed with The Fast Show. I just loved it. I thought it was just... I used to video it. I used to just watch it over and over and over again. I just loved it so much and I remember being like really like smug and being like I knew my generation is the best.
0: Finally <laughs> this is like the best comedy
2: ever in the whole world and I remember it just thought I, I think like in the 90s there was a real golden age of so like Father Ted and The Fast Show and um, Alan Partridge where it really where everybody I love that everybody was saying this is the golden age of Sitcoms, like even at the time, people were saying this is the golden age. So it felt very exciting to be like, "Yes, my generation is the best."
0: The thing is about the fast show specifically is like all those programs, like I would watch with my parents, like they also really liked Alan Partridge. Like I, my dad told me to watch Alan Partridge because mm. he turned the radio show and he was like, "You'll like this" and <laughs> stuff like that. But <laughs> it's interesting you said the fast joke. Because the fast show, he did not. I remember him going like. What's this? <laughs> like, it just the Bastion was the one. He was just like, I don't know what. <laughs> but yeah, it did feel like there was like every week. There's like, here's another thing's going to define a generation, <laughs> and just. And is there anything that you regret embracing any trend?
2: Uh, did I mention uh, Mr. Anthony Blair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh. and is there oh one thing God. from the analog and one thing from the digital eras that you'd want to pass on to gen z i was thinking we are
2: the last generation to truly lose touch with people so think about because i was thinking nowadays nobody loses touch with people mm. like if you you know your friends with somebody you you know you temper them for a week you Friend them on Facebook, and then if you want to, you flick through your little Rolodex. So you can find out where anybody you've ever met with is up to. And I think we're the last generation to truly just like, oh, goodbye, see you. And I think that's yeah. a very strange thing. And I think I, 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 I think that's a good thing that we are the last people to ever lose touch with people. But sometimes, sometimes it was quite nice to lose touch
1: with people, though. I <laughs> I kind of miss it sometimes. Like, so if, if this I've never considered this before, but it's so true. And I think, so in 1999, which kind of feels like before all of this really took off with the mobile phones and the internet and stuff, um, we went on a school holiday, me and my friends, after A-levels, we went to Spain. You know, we, we hooked up with boys and stuff like that. Never saw them again. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Although I did I did
1: actually run into one of them in a corner shop in London like 15 years later, but that's by the by. It's oh stuff like that, God. random stuff like that can happen. I know. But yeah, you're right. Like all these people that you would have met on holiday especially, um, or people you were, if you went away to, to some kind of camp with, or you did some kind of after school stuff with, that they weren't at your school. Like, yeah, all those people have just kind of just passed you by and Oh.
0: Yeah, weirdly. It's like the
2: people you kissed at festivals and then they just yes. sort of like turn into mist and they're gone. <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> We um over Christmas me and my mum were talking about when we were kids, my brother like they did a school exchange and my brother had some kids over from the Netherlands. And one of these kids was absolutely wild. Like, I mean, he was, I think he was 11 and he was taller than my dad. And he was just this absolute (laughs) unit who sort of came into the house and just caused chaos for a week and then got out of our lives. And um, I found him on LinkedIn. (laughs) Like, there was that sort of like, I shouldn't be able to do this. (laughs) But I think well, you're right, there are definitely, like, thing. It, it's characters like that, only because he had a very distinctive and peculiar surname. He, yeah, it's that weird thing of all those kids who, like, visited and then went and all those sort of people just gone into the ether. That's a really peculiar thing to think, actually, that now they'd all be on easily findable on Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. What a weird thought.
1: Oh, lovely observation there. Love I <laughs> really like
0: that. Just 17 or more
2: Just 17 Come on <laughs> not a whore <laughs> I, I, I'm taking that personally <laughs> uh,
1: Spice Girls are All Saints All Saints
0: Gel or Moose
1: Moose Hooch or Bacardi Breezer
2: <laughs>
0: Oh, Bacardi Breezer. Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan?
2: Uh, Pierce Brosnan. He's from Navin. (laughs) Zig or Zag? Oh, Zig. I think we all fancied Zig.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chew or Opal Fruits?
2: Opal Fruits.
1: Mario or Sonic? Sonic.
0: Pride and Prejudice or The House of Elliot?
2: Oh, ask me The House of Elliot. (laughs)
0: Oh, I did not no, I did not I think, think that anyone would. Oh, <laughs> the little hats.
2: The little hats. They go doop 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 doo. When will they get their collection? Oh no, the collection isn't ready. <laughs> little Ma- little Mabel sewing away down in the kitchen. They need to get the collection ready. Somebody's stolen their designs. <laughs> oh no, my my boyfriend still has World War One shell shock. <laughs> oh my god seriously never, even now if I see any of those actors I immediately am like House of Elliot like the character from House of Elliot that and Prescott I gang, had no idea he would make such an impression no, me, no. <laughs> like Spike from Prescott Linda from Prescott guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's amazing. What a way to end this episode. Thank you so much, Grania, for joining
2: us. A pleasure.
0: How can people find out what you're up to next?
2: Okay, well, I've got a podcast called The Way They Were, where we look at uh, celebrity breakups. So check that out, or find me on Twitter or Instagram.
0: That was Grony Maguire. Thank you very much to her for coming on the show and for selecting another great item for the Xennial Dome. <laughs> and I really wasn't expecting the whole House of Elliot thing at the end.
1: No, but I, I just, I kind of plucked it from the air when we were putting that list together because I do just remember my grandmother watching it. And my grandmother wasn't a Xennial, But for some reason, it resonated with Zennial Granny Maguire.
0: I was absolutely delighted that there was so much there i was i, I had i had no idea that that would be the um, <laughs> that, that would strike such a chord brilliant um we should if you want to get in touch with us by the way you can email the zenial dome at hotmail.com you can speak to us on twitter at the zenial dome you can speak to us on Instagram, on Xenial Dome, and you can go to MySpace and find us because we're the only ones there. <laughs> so uh, any any, and all of those ways. Um, now, before we recorded this, you asked me a question.
1: I did. <laughs> I asked how our shares were doing.
0: <laughs> right. If you haven't heard the first series of this podcast, in series one, we bought chairs in Napster, <laughs> and I think... I spent two pound fifty on my shares, and it bought loads and loads and loads of shares in Napster. Mm. Um, I'll tell you how the shares in Napster—they're no longer listed on the stock exchange, which I don't think is a good sign.
1: No, I've logged into my think... my trading um, app here, and it's it's just flatlined completely.
0: Yeah, no. During our time off air, someone swept in, and I don't know. I don't know the intricacies <laughs> of the. I don't know what financial transaction... St- happened but, but it's came still in a and going and concern, went, concern then. if
1: someone to wanted it. to buy it it's obviously a going concern
0: yeah someone someone's got it now let me have a quick look it has been bought by a company called nm he will convert loans into shares. what's so it's employee benefit trust, the shares with your Napster. I don't I don't understand a lot of this, but the key bit is that I don't own shares in Napster anymore. That's the that's the take-home message from
1: no, this. No, but I'm so I'm gonna in, look into NM is- and see whether we should be investing in them now because they obviously know something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a canny move by someone. Yeah. Um so yeah, yeah, no, we, we don't have shares in Napster anymore, is the is the long and short of this. Yeah back to the
1: old uh, state pension I really <laughs> thought I really <laughs> thought this was going to be like my nest egg
0: <laughs> like uh, those people who want loads of beanie babies in the hope that that was going to see into retirement. Yeah. <laughs> um. so we will be back next week um, at the same time wherever you found this podcast there'll be another one same time next week so we shall see you then thank you very much goodbye goodbye